0: You may be seated, and I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to look at verses 7 through 16. That is what we're going to focus on mainly this morning. And as you make your way there, I think one of the most fascinating Things in all of creation is the human body. Uh, I know there's, there are animals, there are organisms, there are different kinds of animals and organisms, but there's something about the human body, and, and I think the Bible reflects this, that it is the crown of creation, the, the pinnacle of God's essentially showing off what He can do. And what's fascinating about the human body is when you start to study it, there are so many things that you could focus on. You could, you could just think for a moment about the nervous system, you could think about your pulmonary system, you could think about your brain and what it does, your heart and what it does, you could think about DNA, you could think about chromosomes, you can think about your fingers, your toes, the, the muscles, your, your gastrointestinal system. There are, are so many parts about the human body that are fascinating. And it's almost as if everything that is within us is designed to cause us to grow. There is something about the human body that we just grow. Now we eventually stop growing, but but when we're young, we 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 grow. You see it in your kids, right? They they grow up and sometimes too fast, too quickly, right? But you never have to take your child to the to the doctor's office and say, we're here for our yearly uh you know boost. You know, we were here last year, they were three foot five, we're here this year, we'd like to boost them up to four foot eleven. There's nothing, they're not like car parts that we add on to to make our kids grow. We just, the human body just kind of grows by itself like it's supposed to. When we think about what we talked about last week, that the church is a body, I want us to consider this morning that if the church is a body and Christ is the head, Jesus is the head of the church, I want to submit to you this morning that he himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, has given the church, his body, everything it needs to grow. There's a lot of literature and there's a lot of resources out there that talk about growing your church. Do you want more numbers in your church Here's how you do it. Do you want to see increased giving, growing in your giving? Here's how you do it. you, you, You hear the language of growth, and then you hear the language of metrics. What metrics? How can you measure this? How can you measure that? How can you increase what you're measuring? And all along, I think what we need to stop and ask is, what kind of growth are we talking about? And what kind of metric are we using? What ruler are we using to measure growth in the church? What are some of the rulers we often use? We often use a ruler that is simply how many, se- how many people are sitting in a pew on a Sunday? If that number goes up, we're growing. If that number goes down, we're shrinking. Sometimes it's a ruler that's measuring giving. If giving goes up, we're growing. If giving goes down, we're shrinking. Sometimes we use the ruler of service. How many people are volunteering versus how many are not? If we're not careful... The ruler that we use may give us a warped picture of what the church is actually called to do. And so this morning, I want us to talk about the church as a body. And I want us to look at Ephesians 4. And what Paul does in Ephesians 4 is he essentially gives us an x-ray of the church. So we said the church was a body. And in Ephesians 4, Paul kind of puts the x-ray, the the body under an x-ray, and we get to see how the inner workings work. What is it that's inside that causes the church to grow? And so as we start in verse 7, I I want you to understand that we're coming from this, this idea that there is a unity, there is a body In verses 1 through 6, that's Paul's entire point. That there's one body, there's one faith, there's one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, one bond of peace. And then in verse 4, there is one body. Right? So there's one body, there's one church. Okay? Then we get to verse 7. And he says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So let's stop right there, okay? And understand this. What we're going to talk about is how God has given every single one of you grace to help the church grow. Notice, it's, it's explicit. He says, now grace was given to each one of us. You can't escape it. There is no, some got the gifts and some didn't. This grace, this kindness that God has had on us and that Christ has had on us, he has given to each one of us. Now, notice this. According to the measure of Christ's gift, that's, that's the, the first metric we see, that your giftedness, your abilities, your, your, ab- your ability, your ableness... To serve in the church and help the church grow is not according to any qualifications, any skills or any limitations you have. It's only limited by Christ's measure, by the, the Father's measure. And you know what James says, right? You remember what James says is, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, right? Why? Because God gives liberally. He gives freely. He, he's like those people on the parade. You ever been in a parade and there's people throwing out candy? There's two types of people. There's one person who throws two pieces at a time and nobody likes them. And then there's the people that throw out 30 pieces of candy at a time. And they're everybody's favorite. That's how God is with these gifts. And we see that Jesus did that based on... Uh, he accomplished that and secured that based on what he did. Look at verse 8. For the scripture says, and he's quoting Psalm 68 when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, and he gave gifts to people. And so Paul takes this psalm and this verse that was originally referring to captivity, uh, the Lord defeating Israel's enemies, and he uses this in a spiritual sense that says, Christ has conquered every spiritual force, every spiritual authority. And not only that, he now gives gifts to his people to be able to be fruitful, to be victorious in what it is he's called them to do. So Jesus gives these gifts according to his grace. That's the measure. Who who is Jesus and how generous is he? And that each grace was given to each one of us. But then in verse 9, Paul says, but what does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. In other words, Paul saying, I quoted that he ascended on high, but what does it mean that he ascended? Did he not descend? He, he left heaven and he came to the earth and, and he walked among the filth and the squalor of sinful life and he was perfect, he was without sin, right? And he died on a cross, his blood was shed on a cross, and the wrath of God for our sins was, was poured out on him, and it, he, he took it all and he exhausted it such that our sins were forgiven. We believers were saved by what Jesus did on the cross. So he conquers every spiritual enemy, every spiritual force, even our own sin. But then he also ascends. Now look at what it says in verse 10. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. Why? To fill all things. So Jesus descends. He saves us. He commissions us. He gives this one body in the church. Why? Because he is wanting to fill all things with himself. If you go back to Ephesians 2, you remember it talks about that he's creating this body body, right? And it says that we were hostile, we were Gentiles in the flesh, but he brought us near in, in, uh, in verse 12. We were without Christ, we were without hope, but he is our peace, and he abolished the hostility in the flesh, resulting in peace, right? So that's what he did for us, but then go back to chapter 1, verse 23. It says he's The head over everything, which is his body, the fullness of one who fills all things. So stay with me, okay? Jesus did this work to save us, to to call into existence the church. He saves us. We become one body. And Paul says he did that to fulfill all things. And then he says the church is his fullness. So what I want you to see is the design of the church, the function, what we are to do is we are a representation of the fullness of Jesus, We we are the ones who are called to spread the fullness of Jesus, to fulfill, to to, to fill the earth with with Jesus and the good news of Jesus, right? To fill all things. That's what Jesus came to do, to, to establish the kingdom of God, right? Okay? That's why we're here. That's why the church is here, okay? So how do we do it? If that's what he's done... And that's what he's called us to do. How does he do it? How are we to do it? Well, look at verse 11. Jesus has given us a mission. He's called us to the mission. He's called us as a body. Then look at verse 11. And he himself, the language is emphatic. In other words, Paul makes it very, he wants to emphasize who gives to the church. He himself, who? Jesus, gives to the church what? Programs? He gives to the church budgets? He gives to the church what? People. Do you see it? And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So God has given us this work and he gave Jesus gave us everything we needed in giving us apostles. Now the apostles were in the first century. They were they were the leaders of the church. There are no more apostles today, but we live in the, the apostles' teaching, right? We're devoted to the scriptures. And that's, that's our foundation. And then there are, there are prophets. There are those who take the teaching and say, this is what this means. And then there are some who are evangelists, who go out and tell people who have never heard about Jesus. And then there are pastors and teachers. Pastors like myself, teachers like myself, teachers in your Sunday school. And guess what? If Jesus gave us only those, if we stop right here... Understand that that's enough. That's enough. God gave us everything the body needs to grow. And he gave it to us when he gave us you. Notice what the result is. He gave all these people for what? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. The role of all these things, and my role as your lead pastor, is not to do the ministry, it's to equip you to do the ministry. Pastors are not professional ministers. We, we don't do ministry in the sense of whatever there is to do, we are the ones that, that have to do it. If it's somehow tangential, if it somehow makes some point of connection to the church, that must be the pastor's job. No, what we are all called to do as leaders is to equip each other, equip the saints for the work of ministry. What is that work? What does Paul say? To build up the body of Christ. This language of building up is the language of construction. Just like you would construct a house and build a house, Paul's saying is God has given us these people that we equip each other to build up the church. And we do that until when? Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. What does that mean? In other words, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Okay? So here's what I want you to see. Paul's, when Paul's talking about this, this is the kind of growth he's talking about. The kind of growth that Paul is after is not numerical, it's not quantitative, it's qualitative. The question is how full are the people of Christ? How much is Christ in them? How full are they? We equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? So that they can build up the body of Christ for how long? Until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of God's Son. What does that unity look like? What does that knowledge look like? It looks like us growing into maturity. And how do we measure maturity? How full are we of Jesus? That's the metric that we measure growth. How full are our people of Jesus? But he continues. He says, we do that. Then, if we do that, and that's our, that's our plan, that's our playbook. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every human, or sorry, by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and with cleverness and techniques of deceit. So that the goal of our filling you up with Jesus, the goal of equipping and the, the goal of seeing you grow so that you become more full of Jesus is so that you progress to maturity. That you're no longer like a baby in Christ, but you are a mature individual. You're someone who's able. To make the distinction. You remember what Paul says, right? When I was a child, I acted like a child. I reasoned like a child. I thought like a child. But when I matured, I set aside those childish things. So this equipping, this doing the work of the ministry that we're all called to do is so that we would all be more full of Jesus and we would attain this fullness so that we're no longer tossed by waves and blown around. In other words, the goal is to get you so full of Jesus that you are able to distinguish between truth and falsehood. Between biblical teaching and human teaching. Now, notice he says, you don't want, I don't want you to be like little children who are deceived or blown around by every human cunning and cleverness by the techniques of deceit. This idea of human cunning and deceit this language doesn't occur in many places at all in the, in the New Testament or in any Old Testament passage that's translated in Greek. But you know where it is used? It's used in other literature for the kind of tricks people try to pull when they're gambling. Right? What, what are some of the things you do? You know, you slide a card up the sleeve. You know, maybe if you're just rolling dice you try to maybe blow on it to get it to roll over, you know. Or uh, just the other day we were out somewhere and I told my kids I said heads we leave right now. Our tails we get to stay and have more fun, right? And so you know what I did? Right? I flipped it, caught it and it was on tails. So I kind of flipped it over and I said, "Oh, look. Well, we got to go now. Sorry." Right? That's that's the kind of Mentality, And that's the kind of trickery that we don't want you and, and, and people who follow Jesus to be uh, vulnerable to. There's a maturity, right? There's, there's something about being a child when you see things and, and you're not able to distinguish sometimes between is that, is that reality or not. I remember when I was growing up, I had the hardest time figuring out. We'd be flipping through the channels. I had the hardest time figuring out how one person could be in two separate m- places at the same time, and really just two different movies. I couldn't figure it out, but I was like trying to figure out time travel, quantum physics, you know, like how is it that, wait a minute, he's on channel three, you know, this was still back when there was only like five channels, he was on three, and he was on eight, at this, he's getting shot at in this one, and he's surfing in this one, you know, but then we become adults, and and we're able to To reason and understand. And that's the goal. This maturity. But then look at verse 15. Paul says. Instead of that. Instead of being immature. Instead of failing to grow. He says in verse 15. But we will be speaking the truth in love. Growing in every way. Into him who also is the head. So notice this. I I want you to see the process. That Jesus has given to the church. He calls us. He establishes us. He gifts you according to his gifting, according to his fullness, right? We pursue Christ together. You serve. You teach. You share. You encourage. We are all being built up into what? We speak the truth in love so that we can grow in every way into him who is the head. That's the whole point, right? So what Jesus does and establishes, he gives us the blueprint for how to do it. He says, "Let us grow," and, and I think that's an okay translation. I don't think it's a command. I don't think, I, I, me personally, I, I don't think that he, that Paul says, "Let us grow." I think he says, "But speaking the truth in love, we will grow into Him who is the head, Christ." Now, notice how many times we've seen the word grow, right? We have seen it several times. We have seen it when it says in verse 12 that we would be growing into maturity, right? But then we will be growing in every way. That's the type of growth that Paul sees, that the Lord sees for his church. But it gets even better because look at verse 16. From him, from who? Who is he just talked about? From Christ, right? From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes what? The growth. So the whole body finds its unity in him. From him, from Christ, the whole body fitted and knit together. So here's where we start seeing the the x-ray language, right? Look at what he says. Every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body. Do you see that? From him, from Christ, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. Here's an easy way to think of it. Each one of you is a ligament. You are something, someone that can fit and knit us together. When you work to equip each other, when we all work together to equip each other, and when we all seek to spur one another on to maturity in Christ, it says that the whole body promotes the growth. So listen to that. Who promotes the growth? Who is the catalyst for the growth? The body. Do you see it? Verse 16. From him, the whole body, you know, and then kind of this this sub-clause fitted in it together by every supporting line, right? So just skip that part. From him, the whole body promotes the growth of the body. Remember what I said at the beginning. That the human body is kind of designed to just grow. When we do church God's way, and when we function in the way that he would have us, the whole body promotes the growth of the whole body. And then he continues, he says, promotes the growth of the body. Now look at this. It gets, it gets for building up. Okay. We said that's what we were to do, Right. That we were, in verse 12, to build up the body of Christ. So the body, when it functions as the body, builds up the body. Now look at it. The growth of the body building up. All right. So if you don't have the CSB, which is I have, you might have something else. But for those of you that have the CSB, I want you to, to, to say this out loud. The growth of the body for building up. What? Somebody itself from Christ the whole body when it functions appropriately and as it should the body promotes the growth of itself it's almost like god knew what he was doing when he established the church and when he gave these gifts that when we would covenant together, when we would seek to spur and encourage one another, the body builds itself up. So I'll just go ahead and tell you this. Building up the body, building up the church, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. The body does it. Now, now, you know, I, I'm called to lead and, and to equip, just like all of you are, But the body builds itself up. How? What does Paul say? He says, first, it builds itself up in love. Builds up itself in love. How do we do that? How do we build ourselves in such a a way that we're characterized by love? Notice, Paul gets to it. It's exactly what we've been saying. How? By the proper working of each individual part. When each one of us plays the part that God has called us to, the church builds itself up. But there's some problems that we experience with this. What are some of the ways that we get... So so if this is the x-ray, right? We said there's a body. Now we've looked at the body and we see, okay, here's how this each individual part works, Right? We have these, these internal organs, but how do, how do we get away from this? What are some of the ways that we mess this up? Well, I think one of the ways that we mess this up is we make ministry for professionals only. What does Paul say? That we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Listen. Listen. God has called me to full-time ministry. God has called me to be your pastor. He's called me to serve, to preach, to teach, to, to shepherd, to pray, to counsel, and all those things. And that's biblical, right? God calls men to do that. You go read the pastoral letters. Paul says in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, qualifications for elders, those who are able to teach. That's all biblical. But what's not biblical is that those are the only people who do ministry. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and especially if you are a member of Poplar Spring, there is a ministry that God has called you to. I want to say this as lovingly as possible. There is at least one area, one ministry that every single one of us can serve. If you want to start a ministry, maybe God's calling you to do that. Let's talk about that. Maybe you're not involved in a ministry. We we get this twisted when we think only the pastors do ministry. You might even say only the deacons and pastors do ministry. The problem with that is the word ministry is the word diaconia which comes from the same word as deacons. So even if you wanted to say that's the deacon's job, you can't do it because it's the same word. In other words, it says, equipping the saints for the work of the the deaconing type ministry. Now... We do have deacons and they serve a unique role. But again, that's defined as scripture. My point is this, is we have to understand that every single one of us have been given a ministry. If you've been saved and you've joined this church as a member, you are a part of this body. And this body needs you to function, right? The proper working of each individual part. What is that? It's by doing the work of the ministry. Where do you need to plug in? You see, a lot of times we say that the pastors are are to do that work. But that's really just a cover for, I've got other things that are more important. I'm too busy to do ministry stuff. I'm too busy to get involved in the church. I'm too busy to do those things. So we get it messed up when we say it's only for the pastors. But then we also get messed up when we say it's only for the super Christians, right? There's a general principle in and ministry that that and, and it's in work life, you know, secular life too, but it's called the 80 20 rule, right? That means 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, right? And that's true in churches too. And sometimes we think, oh, that those are the those are the super servers. Those are the people who, man, they just they just take on more and take on more and they're able to do it. Well, can I just speak up for those type of people? They're tired. OK, yeah, they 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 burn out. And that's not good for our church. For, for someone to, who constantly takes on more and more, they get to the point where they simply cannot do anymore. So then their longevity is hampered. They burn out. They drop out. And so it's not just for the professional pastors. It's not just for the super Christians. It's for each one of us. And so let me put it in a positive light. Let me say it this way. Your body, your church needs you. Not to fill a a slot. Not so that we don't have a blank spot on a page. But we need you because you are a vital part of us becoming more full of Jesus. I need you, you need me, and we are together to spur one another on. God has given everything he needs. I want you to understand this, okay? In these four walls, over in the fellowship hall, those of you that are here, members who are here, believers who are here or may want to become members, let me put it this way. Everything we need for the type of growth that God wants to see in Poplar Spring Baptist Church is in this room, in the fellowship hall, right now. Let's stop pretending that we need something else outside. Let's stop acting like if we could just get this aspect from that church or if we could do something like that church over there. No, Everything that God has given to the church to function, to build up the church, to cause the kind of growth He wants to see in each one of us is in the room right now. The question is, where are we? Where where are we serving? Where are we plugged in? We need you. I need you. So that we can grow and build up and attain the fullness of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've you've kind of been pushing off serving, you've been pushing off for whatever reason. Maybe this is God pushing back a little bit against the ways that you've reasoned and you've justified. You've said, Well, oh, I've just got I've just got too many things at work, or I can't give this up, I can't give that up. Can I just gently push back and say, maybe you really can? Maybe you had resolved it in your mind and you already settled it and you'd hope to never hear about it again. But the Spirit of God is pricking your heart to say, "Mm -hmm, maybe not. Maybe you really can give that up. Or maybe you're here this morning and you are struggling with the idea that, that God is calling you to serve. And you think, I'm just a simple person. There's no way that God can use me. Listen, if God saved you, God has called you If he's called you, he will equip you. We will equip you. There's no rock stars. There's no super Christians. If that's you this morning, let me remind you what Paul says, that grace was given by Christ according to the measure of Christ's gift. So if I can put it this way. By saying that I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm gifted enough. I don't know if, I, if, I, if I'm skilled enough. Can I just tell you this? What is that really saying about what we think Jesus can give us? Jesus, Jesus used Moses, who had a stutter. Jesus used a donkey. Jesus used Peter. Jesus used Paul, who was a murderer and a persecutor. If Jesus can use David, if he can use Gideon, if he can use Deborah, if he can use Ruth, if he can use Esther, if he can use all of these people, why on earth, with this promise that we've seen, would we think that he can't use you? Don't be fooled. Don't be lulled into inactivity because you think somehow it all rests on your skills. It doesn't. It's according to the measure of Christ's gift. And you say, what if I screw up? What what if I do something wrong? What does verse 7 say? Now what was given? Let me hear it. Grace. Grace. When God calls you to serve in a ministry and He calls you, I want you to know this, He already knows when you're going to mess up. He knows all of them. And yet He's still calling you. So maybe you need to pray through that. You need to pray through... Maybe maybe what what you're really doing is you're trusting in your own skills instead of trusting God to equip you with what you need to serve. Or maybe you're here this morning... And you have no idea what we're talking about. And your first step, the, the, the only thing you really need to know this morning is that when we talk about the fullness of Christ, when we talk about Jesus conquering his enemies, when we talk about that we've been saved, that we're believers, that's because we at one point in our lives recognized that we were sinners, that we deserved death That we realized we could not save ourselves, that we could not be good enough, we could not do enough good. And so our only hope, we realized, was to throw ourselves on the mercy of God and Jesus Christ. We realized that we had nothing good within us, and we came to the point in our lives where we said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose again, and that you did that in my place. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's where you start this morning, is by dealing with the fact that you are separated from a holy God. And unless you turn and rest in Christ, you are destined for an eternity in hell. But the promise is that if you come to Christ, you can be forgiven. (laughs) You can be cleansed. You can be a new creation. And then you begin to be filled as you start attending church and reading your Bible and praying. Now, instead of being an enemy of Christ, you are a part of the body, and now you get to experience the Lord filling you with the fullness of the one who saved you. So maybe your first step today is coming to Christ for salvation. We want to come to a time of, of invitation where you can respond to what you've heard. Maybe you need to come down and talk to me, maybe you need to do business with the Lord, but but don't let it sit here. Don't, don't say, I'm going to think about it later or I'm going to talk about it later. Ask the Lord right now, what, what would you have me to do? What commitment would you have me to make? And then help me follow through with it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus, who is our hope, our peace. And God, we know that you are a way maker. God, that you make a way when there seems to be no way. And God, maybe that's our, that should be our prayer, that as we think about our church body growing and being equipped and, and attaining maturity, that, that we would have an eternal perspective. God, that you can work in the unseen ways, and even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, in, in the, the larger church body, God, that doesn't mean you're not working. But Lord, we have this great assurance that that if we would buy in, if we would buy in to the the church as a body and to one another, God, that if, if, if saints were equipped and if saints did the work of the ministry and we spoke the truth in love, the body would build itself up Lord, sometimes we make it so complicated. We make it so ridiculously complicated. And yet, when we look at Paul, he gives us an x-ray on the body that is the church and and how it, it is designed to grow the type of growth that you want. So Lord, however it is you're calling us to respond, may we be quick to obey.